0: Some say knowledge is power, and learning certainly can be stimulating to the mind. And for me, discussing and continuing to learn about this philosophy certainly makes my mouth water. But what is knowledge without a practical application? In this episode, we dive deep into taking this conceptual philosophy and creating a practice of consistency and intentional effort to effect change on a daily basis. So let's make like Allen Iverson and talk about practice. Let's journey. (laughs) ¶¶
1: Eyes wise
0: with Aaron and Alexander
1: Uncovering our authentic self
0: through self-awareness, conscious communication, and emotional responsibility. So one thing that I've been noticing, and you've mentioned this to me, Alexander, and I'm guilty of it myself, is loving to talk about these subjects. But then, I don't want to say forgetting to apply these when we when we go through uh, some type of issue in our lives where we're supposed to apply this information to. And, and obviously, it's all a work in progress. But I know from my personal experience, I love talking about this, but then many times I fall flat when it comes to practicing this. So one thing uh, you really wanted to discuss was how do we actually practice this philosophy?
1: Yes, yes, uh, this is a topic I've been looking forward to to getting to because it is human nature to um not necessarily practice the things uh that so-called uh, feel heavy or challenging when um we're we're off work or we're taking some downtime or that type of thing but The main thing I want to get across is that it's the consistency of effort that is one of the biggest variables in effectively making change. And most of the time, the reason that most people fail is that they uh, quit or they stop giving an effort way before it has had time to reset a different vibration or a different pattern. So this is why I bring up... The consideration of seven years for a full uh, healing to take place as a best case scenario, and that's working on it every day because every seven years, each cell in the body completely regenerates. So, being willing to work on it with that kind of time frame gives a person a more realistic idea of where to start. So, this is why I suggest do a level of work that you can do for a long period of time. Do it in a short enough time span to make you want to do it more, to give yourself incentive not to just constantly challenge yourself. So each emotion, as I've said before, one of my definitions of consciousness is the ability to manage your emotions to where you are not in reaction. Therefore, you are more likely to see it clearly, whatever that is. So that means in a so-called positive or happy situation just as much as in a so-called negative situation. And this is why I want to approach all of the emotions equally and realize that any time we're off balance, uh, we're off balance. It doesn't matter if it's going in a so-called positive or so-called negative. You're still not seeing it clearly. So as an example of this, if... Someone is, say, working on um, patience and dealing with, um, normally that's connected to frustration and even anger. But something as small as patience, like say someone admitting to themselves, okay, this is an area that I really need work in, and um, I'm going to utilize this philosophy to help me with that. Then every single day, I'm willing to say that there is a time and an opportunity to practice This philosophy, this work, this process. And so that means if you are in traffic and traffic is backed up and you start to go into frustration, this is working on patience to utilize a thought such as like you may go into fear because you're afraid that you're going to be late uh, to a meeting and may lose a client or something. You can take it to an extreme and normally the mind does take things to extremes. But you can counter that by welcoming that thought in and then right away going, you know what, I don't know what's happened ahead, but I'm going to trust that this uh, delay may have saved me from some type of injury or wreck or something like that. Because what we want to remember is the one thing that we are in control of is our perception. And whatever we choose to perceive and how we choose to perceive it is what affects our vibration, which affects our energetic field, which affects our physical body eventually. And the emotions are all tied into that. So you could be at a, in the grocery line at the grocery store and someone step in front of you. Here's another opportunity to practice. As soon as you start to feel the, the disappointment, the anger, the, the judgment, whatever that is, self-judgment, uh, do they not recognize me? There's going to be a, a myriad of possibilities. But to understand that this is still connected to patience is still. So we get um, thrown off by all these different labels. But everything breaks down to around five or six main emotions, and we're going to get into that a little bit later, and how some of them are best worked with uh, through physical exercise. Some have worked through willpower. There's different ways to work on each emotion. But with this patience one, there are so many opportunities, especially people with children. And when the children just seem to continuously go against what the parent says or continuously try to lag behind and make them late for situations, uh, gatherings and things like that. Once again, it's up to the individual and the parent. How are they allowing this to affect them? Because they can smile at it and laugh at it and be just as effective of uh, changing it and correcting it as they can with anger or with disgust. That's one of the main things I wanted to get across is that There are a myriad of opportunities to practice this philosophy every single day. But take the time to feel that emotion come up. Make the choice to not react in that situation and then search that emotion of what is this connected to? What of the uh, five or six main emotions is this connected to? And see if you're not typically everyone is dealing with one or two Main emotions constantly, and those are different for different people. Mine happens to be, and I'm very open with this, and I, like, well, I would like for this to become a very open type of conversation for people, to be able to talk about the two emotions that they carry around with them and deal with almost all the time. And I like to suggest that we don't ever fix these. We don't ever so-called heal them. My way of looking at it is we learn to make friends with them. We learn to invite them along. But the understanding is they never get to make any decisions. So my two are frustration and insecurity. And most people have a hard time believing that I carry insecurity because I do podcasts and performances and teaching and all this type of stuff. But I come from being one of the most insecure human beings there's ever been. Just I have pushed through that. And I played when during my band days of touring and playing music – I played hundreds, if not thousands of shows, and still before every single show, my stomach would not up and I would get nervous before every show. So see, that wasn't something that repetition fixed. It was just something that repetition helped me learn to manage. And so now, anytime that I have a concern or doubt about doing something, I do that as soon as possible. To remind it, you never get to lead, but you're always welcome to come along.
0: So I would say that I also suffer from the same uh, anger, frustration, and insecurity. Although I think frustration is my main one, and I think the generator—that's kind of their like main theme. Many times, yes. Is that like is that is that the emotion they need to worry about? Almost like getting them off their path? Is yes, because
1: that how- normally that's uh, listed under the not self theme. And so that basically is showing you, hey, you're not being yourself. This is your first kind of warning sign that you're getting off of your design, basically.
0: Okay. I mean, that makes sense to me. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention that I think you helped me realize maybe about a year or so ago is... I would take my bike places and I had an I don't know if it's an allen wrench, one of those like hexagonal wrenches mm-hmm. to take my tire off. And I remember I took my tire off and then I set that down on my bumper and the next thing I knew it was just gone. It was gone. I looked everywhere, it was gone. And I remember I think you brought it you brought this perspective to me and you said, "Well, what if somebody else needed it more?" Right. And so since then that's always helped me gain that perspective what if what if i lost something because somebody else in another like realm needed it like it just popped into another reality and they needed it and because sure enough it it showed up right back where it was <laughs> like right on top of the soil um i mean it was like months months later when when i didn't when i totally forgot about it and moved on right it just like popped up there yeah and
1: that always helps with any loss to just feel like um You know, hopefully whoever took it um, can can do some good with it. And if that's so, then that helps me to to release that. And I don't need to prove whether that's the case or not, because once again, we're getting back to our energy field is dictated by our perceptions and how we choose to look at something. And so uh, I'll bring that around to a real life event that uh, 10 years ago, my wife passed with cancer and I could have chosen to either be in that sadness for the rest of my life or chose or choose to accept, learn and move forward and do something even better. Um, so that's once again that I had I've had people in the past question me on a Facebook post one time. I had someone um, I had put on a uh, some type of statement about our perceptions and i think i said something like my um, perceptions are slippery at best and we should work to change our perceptions and somebody chimed in uh, a dear Hare krishna friend of mine and uh, he said how does one change one's perception and it's just as simple as when you see the color purple if someone said that's an interesting shade of blue I would say, you're absolutely right. And if someone else said, that's an interesting shade of red, I would say, you're absolutely right. Or I could defend purple and go, no, person that's seeing blue, you're wrong. That is purple. And person that's seeing red, you're wrong. That is purple. But the fact of the matter is, is that all are right because red and blue make purple. So how we see those different colors is, changes per individual and that's an easy uh, from my perspective concept to relate to almost anything that everything that we're experiencing we're experiencing differently than someone else because our experiences of the past dictate our perceptions and we can't trust our memories because when you're an emotional reaction you are not seeing things clearly Therefore, this helps me in my forgiveness work to realize that whatever I think happened, <laughs> um, I'm incorrect off the bat. That's just a fact. Everyone's memory is skewed except for the master's. So to work on rather than passing blame and judgment and wanting apologies from the past, it's way more simple to just trust you are not seeing it clearly. And anyone that you're going to discuss about it that was involved in it more than likely isn't seeing it clearly and more than likely they saw it differently. Whether you're at a different age or a different point of your life or married or not married or been through death or not, all of those variables are going to dictate one's perspective. So the way that we choose to change our perspective is by never thinking that we have stuff figured out. By always looking into purple and seeing the red. Always looking into the purple and being willing to see the blue. And when one can take that perspective, then we're getting closer and closer to getting away from that right and wrong. To that just black and white of good and bad. Look for that blue. Look for that red and that purple. Because they're all right. So working with accepting uh, that, once again, any emotional situation in the present has very little to do with the present situation. It is the accumulation of many things in the past that were similar, but there have been different role players, different people that have done that to you. So we we tend to group um, actions or things that's happened to us per individual rather than per uh, emotional reaction, and when we start grouping things per emotional reaction, we start tapping into that little bit of law of attraction that we're going to attract these same type of lessons in until we get the lesson. We can change jobs, we can change people, we can get out of relationships, we can run from our families, <laughs> but the lesson is going to find you. So, lots of people say everything happens for a reason. Some people say, oh, everything's chaos. Well, it's not that you have to focus or battle or argue with somebody whether something happens for a reason or not. You just have the free will and the choice to choose that, no, I'm going to make this worth something. So see, whether something happens for a reason or not is still a choice of perception. And I'm just suggesting that if you walk through life looking for those opportunities, to learn from rather than react to then less of those opportunities have to happen because the whole beauty of working in the subtle world the subtle energy is so that you don't have to deal with all the struggles of the full-blown physical reality of it so it's very similar in energy work you can work on releasing traumas and issues from the body on an energetic level before it reaches something physical You can work on these emotions and these patterns to break them before they become an emotional pattern that breaks down the energy field, that breaks down the physical body. So this is being some of the most proactive that one can be to break these patterns. But you have to be willing to work on it in every little situation. My greatest teachers were uh, the two boys that I wound up raising when I never really thought I wanted kids. So I met a wonderful person that had two three-year-old twins, and I took it on as a big responsibility. But then in that, they brought out my frustrations. They brought out my insecurities with their questions. And I learned to make love with the friction. I learned that showing them uh, by not reacting, it would help them to be stronger in the world, to be judged or questioned and not react. So I invited those questions. I invited that inquisitive nature. That wasn't what was easy for me. So now we're back to one of the pillars. If it's hard for, for you to do or challenging for you to do, it's probably good for you. So this is what, how that taps in. That sometimes it's easier to just ground the child and send them to the room than it is to actually converse with them and find out what's really going on with them. But when the parent takes that time, that little bit of extra time, and it may take an hour rather than 30 seconds, but you get what you invest in. And I've proven that when you invest the time early, it saves a lot of time. So be willing to talk to your children. Be willing to find out what's really going on with them rather than just issuing the discipline so quickly. See, we can learn everything we need to know about consciousness in the raising of children properly because the opportunity is to raise those children within, which are these emotions are our internal children. And we can learn to manage them just like external little ones that most parents boss around. They don't really work with them. And the children are coming in uh, smarter and smarter, and more and more people are struggling with the typical ways to raise children. So I hope that this really takes off like wildfire for people to want to learn about their child on these deeper levels, to communicate with them the way they're going to receive and uh, stop this struggle of trying to keep everybody and every child to fit in some type of box that our system has created
0: and i'm glad that you started talking about the energy or explaining the energy behind the philosophy i think this is a really important point because i think sometimes we can get caught up explaining the theories behind it and and how to do certain things but also forget that it is frequency based and it is based on science and energy and how frequency and energy interact and and pull and push so if people out there listen to the words that you're using it so many of the the terms that you're using are are related to energy yes. uh so i just had this realization that uh maybe maybe we even need to do another podcast on just the the science or energy of sound frequency and that part so that those science-minded people can maybe wrap their head around and um, be able to absorb more of this information when we are explaining it more in in uh, everyday terms rather than scientific terms.
1: Yeah, Or, or even metaphysical terms. Um, and that is the... Uh, The purpose of this podcast is to demystify all of this uh, subtle energy stuff and to break it down to this is basically subtle physics. And uh, there are certain laws within those parameters, just like wherever you focus your attention or your energy, it creates a void somewhere else. That's the way that energy has to work on this plane because, as we've discussed previously, this is the plane of polarity. Making it the plane of duality, which most people do, is a choice of perception outside of acceptance. And polarity is in the acceptance of that and realizing that, yes, anywhere where there's a push, there's going to be a pull somewhere. Anywhere there's a focus, there's going to be a void somewhere. So this is the point of like when someone has a hundred or more friends, they're really not giving anyone very much at all. And somebody that has very few close people give a whole lot more typically uh, to those few people. So we all have to decide how we want to um, give out our energy, so to say. It's safer the more people that you have, uh, but that can be way more draining than just a few that you've really um, communicated with and developed a way of being together. And that's what all of this information is about, It's how to develop a language, a way of being so that uh, we can learn to be more vulnerable, learn to be more creative, more soft in our actions because we're in a trusting environment. But at the same time, accepting that every environment isn't that safe. So when we go out, we prepare for that. But the sensitive people, the the empathic people, the intuitive people, I'm pleading to them to uh, to persevere, to, to understand that it's about standing in the storm and holding your vibration. This is what every great wayshore there has been through every culture, through every religion, whether it's Jesus or Gandhi or Yogananda. You, know, you just go through the list of all the greats, Mother Teresa, uh, they, none of them had the red carpet rolled out. Part of the beauty of their story is their perseverance, and some of those stories have kept me alive in my time of challenges. So, I through my twenty years of being involved in this work, I've run across so many beautiful—we'll call them light workers—for a lack of a better term here but people that's really trying to do good in the world and really trying to help and not being selfish about it. But they get challenged out here in the world. And they get their feelings hurt. And they pull back. And they run and hide. And they stop doing what they're here to do. But the angry people don't stop. <laughs> they get incentivized by friction. So I'm, I'm pleading to people, lean into the friction Don't create the friction, don't stay in the friction, but lean into it, invite it in, learn to make friends with it, then the friction dissipates. So this is about uh, if people want things to change on a mass level, then you've got to hold a certain vibration for a long period of time, like seven years So this is the opportunity that that we all have together, that when we're doing this work on ourselves as an individual, we're actually raising the vibration of mass consciousness. When we try to help others or fix others or change others, we are A, ineffective, and B, we are not raising, we're normally running in and creating more friction. So we're actually assisting the other side, so to say. So this is why when we want to love and help those around us the most, we simply work on ourselves, change our vibration, change our example, and then in turn, that ripples out and creates change in one's environment. I want to tell a quick story here, Um, uh, brag on my two uh, boys right quick. Ian and Ryan, they live in uh, Hawaii. And uh, they are aviation mechanics out on the Big Island. And they are some uh, great inspiration to a lot of people around them. Um, They don't necessarily carry that in their own knowing. But this story tells it all, that where they work around a lot of, uh, of course, other mechanics and salespeople, they work in a break room to where they had a microwave and we basically, they never got raised around microwaves. We, I haven't used a microwave in close to 20 years. But um, anytime someone would come to heat up some food in the microwave, they would just quietly get up, step out of the room, and wait for the ding of the microwave to go off. And then they would come back into the room. Well, they did this without bringing attention to it. They didn't pass any judgment about people using the microwave. And then one day, one of the co-workers um, inquired why they left the room every time somebody used a microwave. And so they just then gave information because they're projectors. They're supposed to wait for the invitation. And so they did a little bit of explaining about educating about the dangers of microwaves and how it destroys the food anyway and just little things like that. And said, but no big deal. We don't mind uh, getting up. Normally, it's just for a minute or two. And, uh, you know, it's no big deal. Well, fast forward, just within a matter of weeks, um, the boss man replaces the microwave with the toaster oven, and everyone gets on the page with that. And so this is the way that we can change our environment without using any words, any friction, but merely being the example. And then sharing when inquired to. Now, this isn't the same for everyone because everyone's not designed to wait for the invitation. So the manifestors, this isn't what I'm telling them to do. The, um, the manifesting generators, I'm not suggesting that. But for other people that will resonate with this, you'll see through your life, if you've had struggle being heard or feeling recognized or you're feeling frustrated that, that nobody uh, shows you any respect, then try waiting to be invited into the conversation. More than likely, you may be carrying some projector energy, or, and some generators even have that. I'm designed to answer questions more than to give speeches. So see, I'm a generator, but I also carry that small trait to wait for that invitation, wait to be asked, answer questions. And that has changed my dynamics with pe- people greatly, with everyone around me. Because now I wait and I tell everybody I've always got something to say. I'm always observing. The difference is is that I used to think that was the most loving act is to give people things that they couldn't see. But I found out through a lot of heartache, a lot of failures, that most people aren't looking for help. Very rarely actually are people actually looking for help. So even when someone asks for help, the majority of the time, only 50% of the time, they are actually looking for help. Some are just looking to bring their excuses out. So, so pay attention to that, and that's just another example. Um, you know, these emotions that come up, like jealousy. You know, lots of people ruin beautiful relationships because of jealousy. And normally the jealousy was issued either in their childhood or through a previous relationship. So every time the jealousy comes up for that person to realize that that is their work to do and that their partner is just playing a role. And if they're doing something to make you jealous, if you work on the lesson of not being jealous, then that person will it'll either come clear that they're not doing that to make you jealous or it will come clear that they're truly doing something to sabotage the relationship. But it will come clear once you're not affected by that jealousy anymore, because all of these are just little challenges, whether it's sadness, whether it's guilt, whether it's pride, insecurity, anger, frustration, whatever it is, they're just little challenges for us. And when we can smile at it and say, yeah, that used to really upset me and I would have to react to that, um, but My choice and perception is to see that another way and to see that, no, I'm not going to get angry this time. I want to communicate and I want to help this situation. So what do you need? Let me ask a question rather than coming with a demand or a reaction. So normally the good way to start this practice is just to do whatever is hard. If normally you would react, then work at not reacting if normally you're too quiet and you don't speak up for yourself, then work to speak up for yourself. But as soon as possible, will carry the least reaction. So this is the way that the human design and the destiny card system helps to confirm these issues and situations with people. And then through the consulting, we can help them to understand how to actually have a day in and day out um, practical way to approach all of these situations and to actually make effective change over a period of time.
0: And in the examples that you just gave, you can kind of see, or at least I can see the energetic pulls and pushes and attractions in like with the microwave story where they didn't just go in there and, you know, blurt out all the dangers of it because people wouldn't be receptive to it at that point. But the fact that The people saw that they were willing to get up, make an effort to protect themselves, questioned, you know, open their mind was like, maybe there is something to it.
1: Right. right? Yeah. Because main thing is they weren't just talking about it. See, they were setting the example before ever bringing the subject up. Most people talk about stuff way before they ever make any change. And this is what, you know, really drove me to want to um, separate this work from any type of um, spiritual path or um, or anything uh, trying to be something is. No, this is just uh, knowledge and wisdom to live our lives by that doesn't threaten our belief systems, um, that does have an effective change. That can be noticed because you're the one that's changing. You're the one that has the opportunity to notice the change. But it's the type of thing that you make a lifestyle rather than just concepts that we talk about on the podcast. It comes into everyday practice. So the hope for our uh, Facebook group page, and be sure to, to join us if you haven't, is to talk about some of these things, to be able to be open and vulnerable and to be able to say, hey, this is how I used to change this. And through these steps, this is how uh, it affects me now. And it's different And to be able to hear success stories and failures because we have to fail to learn. So we think learning happens through the reading and through the discussing, but the learning happens in the failing and then going okay thank you no moss i won't do that again i'm going to alter this so there's nothing wrong with failing repeated failures shows stagnation but different failures shows progression so seek to fail people let's fail let's discuss it let's smile about it let's let's joke about it let's laugh about it and understand that we're not here to go without failing. No one's ever done anything with themselves without failing. And
0: one thing I'm feeling called to bring out, and I don't want to pick on any particular uh, emotion or action, but I see it a lot, and I have my own personal story with it, is empathy. When I was first looking for a self-development practice, uh, I first got involved with a spiritual community, and I don't know where I picked it up, but I felt like empathy was a high level of spiritualism, and I think it's be- maybe being masculine, you're you're being more drawn to the feminine, and it's like caring, and and uh, society values caring, but. I've had my own issue with that, and and I feel like it's it's like a leaking of energy. Like, for instance, everybody knows I love cats, and I take care of them. But when I'm on Facebook, I'm scrolling through the feeds, and I see, you know, videos of cats needing help. I used to exert energy, caring about them so much that my, like having heartbreak over Mm -hmm. their situation. But what I've learned to do is realize that I'm not in a position to help every cat in the world. I can't know every cat that's suffering, and, and I'm not. That's not my responsibility. I can only help the cats that are in my direct you know, vicinity. Yeah, exactly. And and I, and I was able to create like a boundary there, where if I have the means to donate time or donate monetarily to those causes, I can do that. And I can do that without exerting my like physical, emotional energy.
1: Because this ties into that, that your amount of suffering does not equate to your amount of caring.
0: Yes. And I think that's something that, that many, many um, dudes out there may need to hear because I think deep down they care But because in society they're not feeling this overwhelming uh, need to be empathetic that maybe they feel like uh, maybe they feel a little guilty.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just as uh, challenging on the the feminine side as well. But yes, with with guys, most or the masculine energy showing any type of um, vulnerability has been taught as weakness And that has been, you know, a very big misconception that, uh, you know, detaching yourself from emotions is an advanced um, process. And and we have uh, we managed to talk our our beautiful women into buying along into that and trying to compete and females becoming corporate and developing that detachment ability to just compete where. The most powerful is the one that is not detached, the one that is in tune with their feelings, but knows how to separate feelings and emotions. And we have a podcast on all this that breaks down uh, the difference between emotions and feelings and um, empathic natures and intuitive natures and sensing. And, uh, and all those need to be understood on all those levels to know what you're actually experiencing. So I happen to feel that, of course, we're in a big shift of energy right now, and we could go into this, I could go into a lot of metaphysical language with this, but the energies are shifting, and all of the masculine ways um, are starting to crumble, and people actually feel, you know, with the president, with uh, Trump that has been elected, it's created so much friction and so many different views, Um, it's created so much fear, and then people think that things are getting worse, and... You know, I like to just point out that uh, it's all crumbling. That way is grasping at straws, and it's not going to be able to sustain. So it's a very short energy that's moving through, but it's creating a lot of effect. And uh, once again, our uh, perception from a wellness perspective is engage into that stuff as much as it doesn't affect you. If it's affecting you and you're trying to you're staying angry and upset or sad or worried and you're trying to project on other people uh, that they don't care because they're not worried and sad, uh, then you're very confused. Uh, You can be very concerned, but not allowing it to affect you on an emotional level. And that is by accepting I do what I can do within my means. And I'm always willing to do that outside of that. I have to accept that that's somebody else's role. And there's always someone to play the role, no matter what it is. Someone, and if a certain person doesn't step in, then someone else will. So that's the thing. I just happen to feel that everything is in divine order. And um, if we all managed what was in front of us um, within our own field, everything would be managed. So it's not our place to manage everything for everybody or all around the world, um, that's too much for one person. And I had all of this put into a realistic perspective when I went through what I did, losing my wife to cancer and being the the, care, the only caretaker with that and thinking that I could take the world on. Uh, up to that point, there was nothing that I couldn't solve or fix. Um, I had a very humbling experience. And so no matter how much someone thinks they're indestructible or that they can take care of, manage anything, life will normally at some point uh, put them in check with that. And I just happened to get my check at 37 years old, and things have been a lot different since then.
0: Now going back to the five to six main emotions that most of people's emotional trauma or episodes come from, is there anything, did you want to go through the list and maybe discuss them?
1: Yeah, so one of the main things I want to say before I get into the list is that the confusion or what keeps people um, caught off guard is not being able to break the emotion down to the root cause, like I was doing earlier with the color purple. It still breaks down to red and blue. And everything in our lives we can break down, and that's what the pillars are for, is to that we happen to feel that no matter what's going on into your life, if you get confused, you don't know what to do. If you go back and read over the pillars, you can find something to relate to and bring you back to a homeostasis. And then go out from there to find ways to manage and deal with all of that, uh, whatever the situation is. So like some people will go through one situation that um, brings up um, anger in them. So as soon as they get angry, they may calm down for an hour and then go through a couple of like situations where frustration comes up. They don't necessarily link those together, but frustration and anger are directly connected. Then uh, they go through and someone lets them down later on in that day that had made a promise to them. Now they're in bitterness. Bitterness, frustration, anger, they're all the same. Is still rooted in anger. So, this is how in this situation, this person may have gone through six to eight different events in that day, experienced anger, frustration, and bitterness, but not put it all together that all of these were opportunity to work on the same obstacle, which is anger. So, similar other similarities is like insecurity and fear, Uh, very similar, pettiness and jealousy very similar. Depression and sadness, directly connected. Guilt and shame, directly connected. Pride and ego. So whatever label you want to choose to put on your emotion, always look to break it down to these basic six, which are anger, fear, jealousy, sadness, guilt, and pride. And those six, any other emotion that you connect with in a negative manner, more than likely will be able to be listed under each one of those uh, that was just listed. So there's different ways to work with those uh, emotions, and this is part of the management of it and the cleansing of it. So like in a certain situation, as I've mentioned before, nothing is worth vomiting our emotions onto another person. I mean, no matter what, we should not spread that negativity on somebody else, but we need to get it out. So I've said in the past, uh, say it to the wind, say it to the sky, the trees, mother earth, get it out, but it doesn't have to get out on anyone. And so once you get that out, There are different processes of how to continue that processing or to complete the processing of it. And like anger or frustration or bitterness, that kind of thing, uh, physical exercise is something that's really good for that. To get into that, that experience, to recall that experience and then go for a run or go for a bike ride or lift some weights and like pump it out of you. So physical exercise is really good. You know, it's been suggested for people to punch pillows or to have a punching bag. And all that, it can be very therapeutic to scream into a pillow. So once again, all of that is like a physical exercise type. Um, insecurity, fear. Someone should u- utilize like the rep- repetition of the issue. Because anything that we are fearful of, if we do it out of repetition, it stops being as big of a deal. So, same thing with insecurity. When I was 20 years old, I had been gifted a bass guitar by a young lady I was dating at the time. I didn't know how to play, but I got pulled into the band scene because I was friends with a singer. The difference was he could actually sing. I couldn't actually play bass. But we had an opportunity to start a band together, and he met a guitar player, but he would only do it if I did it. Well, I was extremely insecure, and I was extremely supportive of him, but I stepped into that insecurity, and I just made my mind up. Okay, I'm going to learn while I'm in this, so that's what I've said. Since I was 19 years old, anything that I'm insecure to do or fearful to do, I do. As soon as possible, when it was releasing this podcast at the beginning of uh, this year, 2018, in January, we had an event and released it. It was a big deal. It was uh, I still went through some insecurity of that insecurity on my left side whispering in my ear. Are you sure that you're ready for this? Are you sure that it's going to be how it's going to be received? Are you ready for the challenges? All of that. And the answer was just yes. No, I'm never going to be ready the way that you're asking me. So not only did I do that, but then I released a five song um, solo CD where I played every instrument and did all the writing. And it was my first like just complete in that genre release. Um, So I did like sometimes I'll do a double whammy, uh, make it extra hard because I happen to feel that that's going to make me um, learn more. Uh, faster. I don't suggest that to everyone. I do. I work at the extreme level so I can suggest a more realistic level for others. But this is the way that you take every challenge. If something like like with men, lots of times they can have the bad rap of not wanting to stop to ask for directions because of this ego thing or whatever. You know, now we have GPS. But but there was a time when That was that I utilized that. So I would purposely everywhere I was go, even if I knew where I was going, I would stop and I would go. I want to break this pattern that asking for help is there's there's weakness in that because I may get shown a different route that could be a shortcut or it could be more beautiful. The whole thing is that when we connect to people, we can have experiences that enhance And most of the time, that is more likely when we are doing something that challenges us because we've invited in the friction. Therefore, the law of attraction can work on the other side from the supportive angle. Now, this is big. So when we're always looking for what we want and we're chasing that, lots of disappointment can come because we're not initiating any friction ourselves. We're wanting But when you initiate friction within yourself, then it helps the reward to be right behind that. But most people want the reward without actually doing anything challenging. And I haven't seen anything in nature to where that's the case. If you want to have a beautiful body, you work out over a long period of time. If you want to have a healthy body, you eat right over a long period of time. Everything that I've seen that lasts takes a long period of time. Which, when I say seven years, people scoff. It seems like that's a long period of time. But seven years out of an 80-year-old life isn't very much. So, once again, it's perspective. It's how you choose to perceive it. So,
0: why are the perceived negative emotions only listed?
1: Because mainly this, these are the emotions that most people focus on and most people have a challenge with accepting working on these so-called positive emotions uh, at the same time. So lots of times the so-called positive emotions can be will be balanced out by working on these negative ones, if that makes sense. As one works on one end, it affects the other end. So, see, as you bring the so-called negative closer to that medium ground, it pulls the energy of that so-called positive down. So now the person that reacts in a overly positive way, they start to to act out in that way less and less intensely because they're working on the polarity side of it. And it always balances out in that way. So I've been uh, called a person that rains on people's parades and Uh, Because understanding that when you're excited and when you're jumping up and down and screaming and you haven't seen someone in a long time, you're not any more conscious than somebody that is in anger yelling at someone. So that's the thing that I hope that we can get across is it's not that I am down on expressing our emotions. I'm all about it. It's just right time, right place, right person, right duration, which we've talked about all of that in a past uh, podcast as well. So that is the wise one. The intelligent one knows the answer. The wise one knows when and with whom and for how long and where. So that's what we always want to bring in is that wisdom. So, you know, getting back to that list, um, we went through anger and um, fear or insecurity and that repetition of the issue. So if it's someone that's scared of swimming Then the more they go and get into a pool or into a lake and they be in water, the easier that's going to get. And if they just do that as repetition, even if that's just going and sitting in the water waist deep, it's going to help with that situation because you're changing the frequency of your receptivity of that objective. And that's why I say you don't tell the the five-year-old child to not touch the hot stove one time. You tell them over and over and over and getting angry and yelling it does not make it more effective. All you are—the child—is not learning better. You are just evoking fear into them. So there is no uh, learning <laughs> that's being helped with that. It's through the repetition, and we're the same. So one of the the next one is the jealousy or or, or pettiness. So. Most of the time, this can be balanced out because that's what we want to look at is how how you're bringing equilibrium back into this. So once again, with every emotion, you're doing what's challenging. And with jealousy and pettiness, then that normally means that you need to exercise the giving of your time or giving of your money or giving of um, of some material things. Um, Because normally jealousy is a hoarding type a wanting to hold on. So that's why the act of giving can balance that out. Uh, one of the next ones is sadness and depression. So here I like to suggest to utilize whether it be stories or music, um, even movies or plays, operas, uh, something that can be stimulated and experienced, um, you know, through the more uh, visual uh, or auditory senses. So that you can both relate and connect to the story that's being said and have uh, emotional releases. And just remember that crying, there's two different types of crying. There's victim crying, why me? And then there's release crying of, oh, yes, I'm getting this out. And they have two different effects. So that crying to release the sadness or the depression through the music or through the movie or the play or that type of thing can be very therapeutic when you're not stuck in why me? Or this is bad like me. No, this is reminding me of what I need to release. And I'm going to use this song, this movie, to release this. And when I was going through uh, the majority of my loss, um, being a musician, I would either write or play songs. And once that sadness got activated, I would just loop that song, playing it over and over and over until I just basically felt cleansed. But the whole time I was looking at that from a perception of cleansing, not a perception of being a victim or have lost anything. I had to learn to focus on what I had rather than what I lost. And so to wrap up just a couple more of these uh, emotions and the actual external thing to do, uh, guilt and shame, utilizing forgiveness Uh, both in prayer of whatever type you feel like and in person. person. So we all need help like typically forgiving um, ourselves is where we should start with. And so we can look at anywhere that we try to project guilt or we try to project shame to see that the more that we do that, the heavier that we create the load for ourselves. So here, the first thing is to stop doing that externally, is to Work at releasing it from the past and and people in situations that you have judged and thrown guilt or shame towards in the past to release that and to see it from a different perspective. To be willing to go to someone and do a, a heartfelt apology. And that doesn't necessarily mean I'm sorry. The type of apologies that I look for is no mas. I won't do that again. I've learned. Then there's no harm, no foul. No matter what someone does, if they learn, then I know I was just a messenger and I was of use. But to be the messenger and them not learn, and then I might be pulled in to play that role again and again, then I'm going to manage my time around them and allow them to pull somebody else in to play that role. So pride and ego is where we'll wrap it up. And of course, to utilize humility And that is both outwardly to others and then where others don't realize. I had a wonderful teacher that taught me true giving is when no one ever knows that you gave. So this is a way to work on the pride and to do good acts um, without being recognized, without needing that recognition and just see how hard that is. So all of these that I've brought up and what to do externally with these emotions it's all challenging. So it taps back into the that if it's hard or challenging for you to do, it's probably good for you. So we, in this podcast, I feel like we have covered, you know, what to actually do in the physical world, um, how to approach changing your perceptions uh, to see things more clearly. We've gone over the non-reaction to not react. And uh, all of these come together to develop a practice to where each and every time you're having any kind of emotion come up, you see it as an opportunity to hone your skill. And that's the honing the skill of being more conscious, being more present, and being less reactive. Therefore, you can communicate way more deeply.
0: And I just wanted to wrap it up by uh, bringing up a common misconception. I think that some may have with some of the language that we're using, and it's around emotions, we're not saying to not feel emotions. And maybe you can just quickly go through the process of what someone um, should kind of do when they feel an emotion and then how to manage that.
1: Okay. Good point. So, So understanding that there is here, I'm separating and I'm going into a a previous podcasts, but we're going to separate uh, feeling and emotions. So when most people say, you make me feel like this, or I'm feeling this way, really what should be the term that should be used is, you're making me emote this way, or I'm emoting in this manner. We use feeling, the word feeling for really uh, to cover emotions, and we need to work with our language with that to help separate it. And I'd like to throw out that you know, love is potentially the only true feeling, and that's a whole other uh, podcast. But, but to understand that our emotions, first of all, we can't trust them because they've been trained to us. So that's that first agreement is that that if someone says or does something to make me angry, I know that right away. I feel the sensation come up. In me, it's in my abdomen, my third chakra and it tightens. So the first step is to choose to not react and vomit a retaliation. In that moment, I want to go release that emotion as soon as possible. So if I'm in a working environment, I may have to uh, wait a few hours, um, but I want to at that point in time go at lunchtime or at break or in one hour, I'm going to go release this. So pulling back from that Getting out of the situation, then maybe me going for a walk. And while I'm walking, I'm going, what did that remind me of when Jim spoke to me in that way? Ah, that made me feel like my brother makes me feel when he talks down to me. So that's what that's connected. Then I go, oh, Frank at work, thank you for being the messenger. And this is just an energetic thought. It dissipates my issue with Frank because I know that he's just playing a role to help me to see that I'm still holding on to some stuff with my brother. Then I go to my brother, and while I'm doing this, I'm experiencing this anger. And I might be saying out loud, Frank, you don't have the right to talk to me that way. You don't have the right to judge me. Whatever I felt in that moment and wanted to retaliate, I have the right in this moment to say out loud when nobody else is around to hear it or be affected by it. That helps me to experience and process that emotion without guilt of it hurting someone else. So experience the emotion. Get it out the way that you originally experienced it. In anger, tears should come or you're not really accessing that issue. And so as I'm going through and seeing that connection, then I want to send some Forgiveness and healing energy to my brother, per se. To once again accept that the way that I have viewed all those situations in the past was wrong. I can't trust my memory. I was emotional. So, all the times I thought he was just being mean, in his mind, he wasn't being mean. That wasn't his intention. So, to see all of this, that... Uh, we're just basically recalibrating and reinforming that when this person does this or this happens, I'm going to choose to manage this in another way. I'm still going to process it and experience it. So like with happiness and joy, I say it's a great to experience that when you're in the safety of loved ones in a controlled environment to where nobody's going to be in danger, and you can completely let your guard down. So once again, we're back to right place, right person, right subject, right duration. The master, or the conscious one, just is able to pick and choose where they have all of these experiences, and for how long, and with whom, and where. So this is the main thing. I'm, I'm teaching the same thing that we teach Uh, or should be teaching children that there's a right place and a right time for most everything to just act wild and act like you don't care about anybody or anything. There's a right place for that, just not in the classroom, just not in my home, my temple. But outside in the river, going down the river, yeah, be as loud, kick your feet all that you want to, burn that energy off. So let's be childlike people. Let's experience these emotions to the max in the right environment, with the right people, at the right time, for the right duration. And step into your power to know that you have the power to select all of that and stop being the victim of other people's emotional reactions and getting caught up into their role-playing. We're going to conserve so much energy through this work. So I'm excited to continue.
0: We appreciate your interest in self-growth, conscious communication, and continuing to ask the wise whys.
1: And remember, gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results.
0: The information in this podcast has been developed over 20 years by Alexander in his observation of his personal life, private practice, and professional environments. This information is meant for educational purposes only and is not suggested as a replacement for traditional therapies or medications. As a matter of fact, we suggest to not believe any of this information, nor any of the information out there in the world. Remember, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. Seek the wise. We are looking forward to continuing to provide this information through this platform, and if you are drawn to support us, you can do so by the following. Sharing is caring. Share the podcast with like-minded individuals. Emotional responsibility and energetic wisdom can save the world. If you are drawn to support us monetarily, you can do so by visiting our patron page where you can make a monthly donation in exchange for exclusive Wise Wise perks. You can do this by visiting wise-wise.com slash patron, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Next, you can head over to Alexander's website where you can book private consultations in person, by phone, or on Skype. Find out more information on his live performances, class schedules, products, including birth chart analysis reports and music, and check out more information on his sound therapy tables. To do so, you can visit vibrotune.com. V-I-B-R-O-T-U-N-E dot com. Finally, if you have been searching your entire life for consciously created apparel featuring the Wise Wise logo apparel, Alexander-themed clothing, or other alternative perspective designs, you can head over to Verities Apparel, where you can find all that and more. That is veritiesapparel.com. V-E-R-I-T-E-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com. We want to thank you for being part of this journey.